I recently watched a video entitled The Doll Test. I've seen this experiment done a few times over the past couple of years, and if you're not familiar with this experiment, it's basically where people take a few kids under the age of 10 years old, and they place them in front of two dolls, one black and one white, and they ask them a series of questions, and the kids just have to point to the doll that think matches the description. The video that I watched recently featured a few Italian kids, which was different from what I've normally seen. But what made this particular experiment with these particular kids stand out to me was this specific beautiful black boy that was in the experiment. And I have watched this experiment many times, and going into watching this one, I was already preparing myself to be disappointed. But this one specific black boy, at first when they asked him the question to point at the doll that he thought was pretty, he immediately pointed at the black doll. And you see him look back at the interviewer with this proud look on his face like he knew, he knew he caught on to the, the experiment. So he pointed to the one that looked like him. And I was ecstatic because I was like, finally, I get to see a boy that hasn't been brainwashed the way that the rest of the world has, even myself. As we go on, the first two questions are great. He points at the black doll to signify something good, to be pretty or something else. But by the third question, the interviewer asks him to point at the doll that he thinks is bad. And you see the black boy lay his head on the desk. And you see him contemplating. And you see him know the doll he's going to point at and not want to point at it. And he reluctantly points at the black doll. Throughout the video, kids point at the black doll to be ugly, to be bad, to be evil, all negative things. And these are all kids, babies. And watching this video, it made me think about implicit biases. Things that we've been taught since we were kids to think of ourselves and to think of other people. And in this climate of social change, and while we want to tear down these institutions that encourage systemic racism, all those other stuff, they're good. But I want us as people to look within ourselves and root, our, root out our anti-blackness and our implicit biases. And to be honest, the first step into becoming an abolitionist, to becoming an anti-racist, is to first realize that your mind has already been colonized. You have already been brainwashed. I'm Chris, and this is the New Chris Podcast. Have you ever seen that interview with Muhammad Ali? I think it was from the 60s, where he's talking about growing up, he asked his mom why the angels were white and why the Middle Eastern man that we've always known was Middle Eastern. Jesus is portrayed as a white man. Why all the things that he saw that were supposed to be good were white. Angel food cake, uh, snow white, and everything that was black was bad 
devil's food cake, a black sheep of a family, a black cat, being black male, black bald. There were inherently bad things. In one of Spike Lee's movies, there was one scene with Denzel Washington and someone else where they were looking at the dictionary and they were looking at the definition of black compared to the definition of white. And under white, they would see white, pure, good, holy, and under black, evil, bad, disgusting. And all these things might seem so small and subtle, but they're a fruit of white supremacy. These small things add to kids having a bad idea of themselves and adults adding to systemic injustice, creating systems and institutions that allow for injustice to happen and allow for racism to have a free reign because we've developed this implicit bias. Now, Kristen, what exactly does implicit bias mean? I'll tell you. An implicit bias or unconscious bias is the unconscious attribution of particular qualities to a member of a certain social group. Implicit stereotypes are shaped by experience and based on learned associations between particular qualities and social categories, including race and or gender. These implicit biases I believe prohibits us from doing real work in terms of bringing down the systems that oppress us. Because sometimes within our own communities, we can't unite because we've let implicit bias, we've let our brainwashing, we've let our colonized minds get in the way of making real change. Example number one, recently on Twitter, there have been tweets after tweets and arguments after arguments on how black men do not support black women. We see this with cases like Breonna Taylor and how Breonna Taylor's story and her murder is not covered as much as George Floyd's, even though to me, hers was much more egregious. And it could be attributed to the fact that we don't have footage of it. And it also probably, most likely, is attributed to her gender. Every day, we talk about black men being attacked and targeted, but we don't check the statistics. The statistics that say that black women are targeted just as much. Sandra Bland does not get as much coverage as Oscar Grant and Trayvon Martin and all the other men. There was a whole TED talk based on how we know all these names of these men who've been killed and we should, we absolutely should, and we should fight for their justice, fight for their justice, yes. However, why is it we don't know the names of the countless women who've died the same way or worse? Why don't we fight for them just as hard? Unfortunately, within the black community, we're not as united as we should be. There was a man on Twitter who tweeted something along the lines of, black women can't be protected unless they allow themselves to be protect protected, unless they submit themselves to black men. There should be no condition to you protecting me and to you fighting for me. Someone asked me on Twitter the other day if black women just hate black men or do they find it hard to love them? And I responded saying that black women do not hate black men. 
We have loved black men for centuries, but they just abuse us in return. They've let their implicit biases prohibit them from protecting us as much as they should. One of the most prolific lines and quotes from Malcolm X was, the most neglected person in the United States is a black woman. And we see that even up to this day, especially with Breonna Taylor. It has been months since her death, since her murder, and the state still continues to ignore us. Ignore our cries for justice. Within our community, I want to go back to colorism because colorism is one of our implicit biases. Black women and black men have been taught that, whether indirectly or directly, that to be lighter, to be whiter, is to be good. And this is throughout almost every country. China and India, Africa and the Caribbean are the leading consumers in skin bleaching products. Chinese people, Indian people, Korean people, people from Jamaica to Barbados to Trinidad to Senegal to Nigeria, everywhere on the planet of the earth, the idea is that to be attractive, to be beautiful, is to be lighter, to be wider. Within our community, I can speak from a black experience because that's what I know. As black men and women, we've been taught to be pretty, you have to be lighter. And even though I'm very much light-skinned, I remember wanting to bleach my skin even more because I thought to be pretty, you had to be light-light. And you had to have like this dark hair or really curly 3C3A hair. I, I think that's like straighter hair. <laughs> but you have to have straight hair, long hair down to your bottom to be considered pretty. And for dark-skinned women, it's even a harder battle. Dark-skinned women are the most neglected people in the world. Because even though as a black woman, I still have some cushion with the fact that I'm light-skinned. Men on Twitter the other day, there was a guy who got suspended off of Twitter, praise God, who put up a picture of a light-skinned woman and a dark-skinned woman where he basically said that men are crazy if you would ever pick this cockroach and he was relating to the black to the dark-skinned black woman over this light-skinned beautiful woman i think that's what he called her and if we if we don't see the problem in this thinking we'll never be able to make the real change honestly these are all implicit biases these are all fruits of white supremacy and they're very subtle too it might not just be men or women preferring light skin over dark skin but it's just in the terms that we relate to ourselves the terms good hair and bad hair that i've grown up with my entire life because i've always thought i had bad hair this is not my hair i have very curly short hair and to me i thought that was ugly for a very long time i thought again to be beautiful you had to have like this white indian or latina type hair because that's all the black men longed for. In my community, it was known that to be beautiful, you had to cream your hair. When I first went natural, one of the reasons why I didn't really like my high school experience is because it exposed me to the implicit biases that were in my own Caribbean community. I grew up in the Cayman Islands. I still live in the Cayman Islands, even though I go to school in the United States. But when I went to school here in Cayman, it was one of the worst experiences going natural because I had creamed hair for a very long time, for at least five years. From the time I was 
10 to the time I was 13. So when I first went natural, I remember teachers telling me that uh, natural hair doesn't look good. You should cream your hair. I remember getting so many look, looks about my natural hair and everyone wanting to give me tips on how to tame my hair. Teachers even told me that I was too distracting to be in class, that the next day I come in, I need to do something with my hair. And even the times when I did it so pretty, I would go on YouTube videos to make sure it was presentable, but still show off my natural texture, I would still be seen as unkept. However, the girls with white hair, with the long hair, would barely put a comb through their hair and no one would talk to them. And I'm not telling you to not fight because we're flawed. Still go out there and fight the good fight, but we still need to address the things within our community. Colorism, classism, runs deep within black, Asian, almost every communities on the planet. And no matter where you are, you will have implicit biases. In the Cayman Islands, for the longest time, people will tell you that racism doesn't exist here. People will tell you that slavery never existed here. And it's all an attempt to erase the blackness that is here. The beautiful black excellence that is here. Colorism runs deep on this island. For the dark-skinned, beautiful black women that I have come in contact with, my brother's girlfriend, who is a beautiful, dark-skinned woman, who is very, very, very Caymanian. Her family, all her family is from the Cayman Islands. She is rooted in the Cayman Islands. She has told me horror stories and how other Caymanians would treat her and her parents because they were dark-skinned people. You say that all whites are racist. Can you ex expound on that, please? Any, any white person who was born, raised, and schooled in the United States of America, if you aren't a racist, you're a miracle. Either that or you decided to educate yourself because education in this country is about white is right, brown's all right, black's gotta stand back. Yellow's mellow, but whites, we, we educate in a way that says that white males have done all the adventures, have made all the adventures, have done all the discovering, have made all, and everything that is good and has been accomplished has been accomplished according to social studies, which is actually anti-social studies, by white males. It's a lie, but we do that in order to maintain the myth of white superiority. The myth of race has to be maintained at all costs in this country because if white people have to give up the color of their skin as being something that makes them perfect, what do they have left? If we start teaching the truth about history, if we start teaching about Nile Valley contributions to civilization, it will totally change the way we conduct ourselves in the classroom. It will have to. Columbus didn't discover America. You can't discover a place where people are already living, but we celebrate that every October. It's a lie. We need to get over, we, we need to stop telling the myths and start telling the truth. So when you tell people that they're racist, and it, it must have some kind of effect because most people will say, I'm not racist. I'm not a racist. Why, some of my best friends are black. Right. Yeah, and then you say, name one. <laughs> or this one, I don't see color. And when some woman says to me, I don't see color, I say, I knew that if you saw color, you wouldn't dye your hair that way. Or I say, if you, didn't, if you saw color, you wouldn't wear that shirt with those pants. I believe that you don't see color. It's an attempt to deny skin color. 
and it's attempt, an attempt to deny what's wrong with seeing the color of my skin. Is it all right for you to see me kind of pink? That's okay for me, I don't mind, and I suspect that you don't mind being seen the color you are. You have a right to be what you are. And until people in this country and people in this world get it into their heads that the first modern human beings that evolved on this earth were black women. They evolved in sub-Saharan Africa about 280,000 years ago. And every human being on the face of the earth today runs the has the memory of those black women's genetic structure in their genes. Now we don't want to admit that, but that's the way it is. And people, as people moved farther and farther from the equator, their bodies produced less and less melanin, so their hair, their skin, and their eyes got lighter. As they moved into the east, they ate a lot of fish and a lot of vegetables, so their skin took on a different tone. I found, I found that out when I was raising little kids. My husband worked in a supermarket. He, had, he was head of the produce department, and they had lots of oranges that they couldn't sell, so he'd bring them home, and I was feeding my kids orange juice like you never saw in your life. They began to have an orange cast to their skin. I thought they had something, a liver problem. So I took her to the doctor, and she said, what are you feeding these kids? I said, well, lots of orange juice. She said, stop it if you want them to stop being orange. Now, if you think that skin color isn't anything other than the body's natural reaction to the natural environment, get over it. So if all white people are racist, according to you, can they be reprogrammed? Of course they can. Of course they can. Of How? course they can be. It's called education. I'm an educator. The word educator comes from the root duck deuce, which means lead, the prefix e, which means out, the suffix ate, which means the act of, and the suffix or, which means one who does. An educator is one who is engaged in the act of leading people out of ignorance. Now I know you can change them. It still shocks me to this day that throughout my primary school years in the Cayman Islands, I was always taught of Pedro Castle. We did numerous field trips there. It was always an event because Pedro Castle is the oldest building in the Cayman Islands. And throughout all these field trips, we would always be they would always talk about how Mr. William Eden was this great man, the man who lived there, the man who built it. And he was this great, amazing man. But it wasn't until I was about 16 years old that I found out that this building that I have visited numerous times and has been taught to me about its history for years since I was in primary school, that this building, this house, was a plantation, that there were slaves living here, and the great Mr. William Eden enslaved people. Now, why, why, why is it that we choose not to explain that part of that history? And even though the Cayman Islands is mostly of black people, we chose to erase that part of our history. And in choosing to erase that part of the history, you then make it seem and let the people who do say that slavery never existed on, on this island, you make it seem as if it's really true. And what's even crazier is that every November we have Pirates Week. And on a specific day, everyone goes out to Waterfront and they party and they wear pirate costumes and the whole pirate ship comes here and it's a great time. And why is it that we celebrate the fact that pirates came? And we acknowledge the fact that pirates came to our, our island, but we can't acknowledge that slaves were here. As if pirates weren't the ones that were taking slaves here. Know your history. And this is a problem. All this stuff, 
all this teaching from this white supremacist, patriarchal, misogynistic frame has been taught to us. And if you think, if you think that this thinking has not bored its way into the education system, you're naive. So in closing, please keep fighting the good fight. Never stop doing that. Never stop wanting to take down the institutions and the people that continue to oppress you. But I'm begging you to not let your implicit biases contradict your words. The sad truth is that everyone has them, but you have to make the conscious effort to rid your mind of this brainwashing. Sit and examine what you've been told, what you've been taught whether indirectly or directly since you were a babe, and start the journey into becoming a better you and change the world accordingly. This is Chris signing off. Love and peace always.